Welcome to Between Two Servers. Between Two Servers is a podcast that doesn't actually take place between two servers, but talks about everything that exists between two servers. My name is Sonia. I'm the Managing Director at uh, Converge, and this uh, Between Two Servers podcast is actually brought to you by Converge Digital Solutions. And Converge is a custom software development company located in the heart of downtown Toronto. Uh, Not only do we build custom applications for the B2B um, market, we also uh, work with startups to build tech startups, and we also build our own uh, tech startups that are part of the Converge group of business. And since we're in technology and we've been doing it for so long, um, we created this podcast as a a way to um, communicate with others in the industry, uh, talk about new trends and things that are happening, challenges, and just have a a candid conversation around technology, products, development, and all of those techie things. So with us today is Christine. She's director of product uh, management, and her job is to, I guess, oversee um, product development, uh, marketing strategies, um, product strategies, partnerships, and all of that good stuff. I have a bunch of questions for you, Christine, but I guess before I start, why don't you give me a proper (laughs) introduction? (laughs) <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So, my name is Christine Billinger. Uh, I'm the director of product management here at Converge. So, you know, so this role, you know, oversees the development of our products, you know, from ideation to development to go to market. Um, and so, we have two SaaS B2B products right now. Uh, so, I'll tell you a little bit about what those are. Uh, so, one of them is called Menu Sano. It's a nutrition analysis and recipe costing software, and it's used by uh, like food and beverage in the, by the food and beverage industry. So we're looking at food services, food manufacturing, and it allows them to enter in a recipe and to get a nutrition analysis of the re- recipe, and also download nutrition fact labels which they can put on products. Um, and like I mentioned, there's also a recipe costing uh, component as well. So that's one of our products. And then the other one, you know, very different, Field Eagle. So (laughs) (laughs) this is an inspection data collection tool that essentially replaces the pen and paper process of of collecting data in the field. So they go out with a a tablet and they can do their inspections and collect the data. And then it's synchronized back to the cloud. Um, And, you know, rather than, you know, papers going into a file box, everything is is centralized on on a digital platform. So I have a bunch of questions, but I'm going to ask additional questions as you start, you know, throwing things at me. So no problem. No, I'm not going to go into my first question. I'm, I'm actually going to do a follow up on what you just said. So, okay. you know, food, food and service industry, restaurants, beverage, mm-hmm. data collection, out in the field, mining, all that. How how do you manage such two two completely different products in completely different industries. Yeah, that's really challenging. Like, um, you know, if, if you're working as a product manager in a, in a role where you just have one product, like it's, you're so lucky <laughs> for sure. Right. And, and uh, so, yeah, so being a product manager, you know, requires a lot of in-depth knowledge about the industries that you're serving. 
Um, you know, luckily for me, I have been at Converge for a while and I've kind of grown with these products. So, you know, I think as someone, you know, coming into a new company and having to take on, you know, multiple products like these and, you know, they're, they're complex products, right? So that would be, that would be really challenging. Um, but I'm, I'm still continuously learning, right, about the industries. I'm always, you know, learning new things. You know, every year we go through uh, the business planning and there's always research involved in that. So I'm always looking at, you know, new things about these industries and the regulations and the things that we need to consider for the software. You know, every year it goes more and more in depth. So it, it's, it, it, it takes like years to learn this stuff. It really does. <laughs> so to, to, to that point, um, you know, I always, I always talk to, to people and they're like, oh, you know, um, I'm hiring new people. We have to do all this ramp up and, and training. My question mm-hmm. to you is, you know, in, in the role that you're in and being in the company for, for many years, um, you know, what is, what is the value? Like, this is completely different question you know what do you think is really the value of for a company and for an individual to actually stay in that company for as long as you do because now you have people that stay in a company for a year or two and in order to get promoted they'll leave to you know a higher position that they want and then they'll mm-hmm. stay in that company for two three years and then keep doing the same thing and that's sort of a pattern that we see a lot these days but as someone like you who has been in a company for many years and you've been able to grow do you think that's more beneficial to your role and what you're doing and and what you've learned versus going the other route that a lot of people seem to be doing these days yeah there's there's definitely like some pros and cons to both Um, you know, I think, you know, being in a company, you know, for a long time, you know, speaks to the company itself. So, I mean, in, in, in order for me to stay, you know, I've, I've been, you know, content with my roles and my progression at Converge. Um, so, and, you know, and, and having those opportunities to, to grow and, you know, even to reach a directorship level, um, you know, you, you have to be in the company for a while, right? Um, you know, if you're, I know there's a lot of like newer trends where people are job hopping, you know, a lot faster. And I like to think, you know, reflect that that maybe just the nature of the job that they got into. Right. And they don't like it and they need to leave mm-hmm. um, versus, yeah, staying. So, it, you know, it's good to get experience from other companies because you're going to learn new things everywhere you go. Yeah. But I, I don't think you, you're not really going to learn much and get a good footing on your job if you only stay for a year. So yeah. I think what happens is that, you know, people aren't really learning their roles as well, right? In the, in that short of time, like you can't make an impact in a year. A year right. is not and, very long. You know, you know, you went from, you know, being in one role and then you did the work and you went into a management role and now mm-hmm. and you did the work and now you're in a director role. Do you think it's possible for someone to be able to go from like a manager to a director role in a matter of a year? And and if they do, like, you know, are they going to be able to fully do the job? No, no, I don't think so at all. No. <laughs> I can't I can't see like a, a very rare circumstance when that where that could happen like within a year, like you need time to grow within the company. Um, you know, businesses are increasingly complex, right? So it, it takes time to learn it. So what is the difference for those of us who don't know, what's the difference between a manager and a director? 
Um, well, you know, it depends on the company, of course, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so directorships, you know, they tend to, you know, have more of, a, I guess, a broader um, role in managing, like, more departments or more people, um, you know, evolved in sort of, like, more the higher level business planning, strategizing, you know, and, you know, it's it's a good position to be in to really, you know, innovate and push for change within a company. Um, so getting up to a directorship level, you know, puts you in a position to do that, which is what I love. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Like yeah. Good answer too. <laughs> so back to my questions. I totally got off topic. There. What is the difference between project management and product management? So I asked that question because, you know, at Converge, we do both custom software and we build products. And I'm always trying to sort of uh, explain to our clients that, you know, if they come to us to build custom software at some point, um, if it's a if it's a software that they're going it's that's built as SaaS and at some point they're going to take to market and 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 market it as you know a software as a service, I always explain to them that there's there's a certain time in that product lifecycle that it turns from being you know managed uh, you know through project management and goes over to product management. So you, can you sort of explain the difference between the two? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's very different. Like it's interesting, like going now to networking events and, you know, people start talking and they just throw around this, you know, abbreviated term called PM, OPM, this, PM, that. And then I'm, I get confused if they're talking about project management or product management <laughs> because it, it, but it means the same thing. So I guess if there's one thing I do as a product manager is to change that. We want to distinguish ourselves. A little yeah. Bit yeah. <laughs> uh, stay tuned to my LinkedIn. It'll be a new blog about that soon. Um, so yeah, but essentially project management is about leading uh, a team, you know, to achieve a project goal within constraints of scope, time, budget. Um, and so ultimately like a project typically ends, <laughs> right? It gets closed out, right? Um, product management, it's, it's more responsible for, um, like the business process of planning, developing, launching, and managing a product, um, so, like I said, it's from ideation to development to, you know, the go-to-market strategy. So, certainly the two roles can overlap, um, but the, the approaches and mindsets are very, are very different. So, a project versus a product. Right. So, yeah. it seems to me like a, a project, you're sort of just building what the client wants. And a product is more strategic because you know it's a brand new product. So you, even before you start building, you have to start thinking about things like tell us. Oh, yeah. So, you know, in the beginning, in the ideation phase, um, you know, before you even, you know, start building something, right, there's a lot of customer development. So you need to have an idea and you need to go and validate it onto your customers or who you think your customers are going to be. So mm. You may have a great idea. You know, and your customers might say, yeah, that's really cool, but they would never use it. You know, have so you ever, have you ever come across that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've seen it happen. Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, the issue, uh, a problem that Menusano faced like way back in the beginning. It was the, the idea was way ahead of its time. Um, and so, you know, and it was a passion project and cool idea. Um, but unfortunately, the customers it was built for originally did not want to buy it. So, right. you know, things changed, you know, and Menusano was there and ready to come off the shelf and, you know, took off, you know, that was, you know, a result of, you know, the situation, but yeah, yeah. So 
you know, so, you know, preparing for, you know, to develop a product so that, you know, that's kind of like the, the beginning phase. And then, you know, you go into, you know, designing and developing the product. Then there's the go-to-market strategy. And then there's a managing and maintaining the product. The product is never really done, right? So, yeah. Okay. Um, how do you pinpoint client uh, clients' pain points for SaaS products? Uh yeah, that's a good question. So I think like the best way, of course, is to talk to, to customers. And right. it depends on the company, you know, that you're in. Like a product manager might not be on the front lines, uh, you know, speaking to customers. So um, unfortunately, I still sort of am in the support area. So I'm still engaged with the customers. But, you know, I, I rely on sales and marketing, you know, for Intel on, you know, what you know, potential clients are asking for what existing clients are asking for. Um, so, so that's, you know, one part of it. And then the other part is also a lot of research um, and development, because we're all, not only looking at today's problems, but we're also looking at future problems that are coming down the pipeline. Yeah. So yeah, so there's research and we, you know, we see some some regulations happening one part of the world, you know, maybe like, we're like, okay, it could be only a matter of time for our customers get impacted by this. So, you know, let's start thinking about something now so that we're ready. Yeah. Um, how do you navigate creative blocks with yourself and within your team? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I have, a, I have a few answers for that. So <laughs> this answer always changes too, like the longer I do this. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think part of the thing with leadership is um, recognizing that when it comes to creativity in your team, people have different needs. So, you know, you could be an extroverted leader and everything is like, collaborate, 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 let's meet and get together and brainstorm. And for some people, like that doesn't work, right? Some right. people think creatively when there's nobody around and it's quiet and then, you know, the ideas will start to come, right? You could be an introverted leader but you have extroverts on your team and, but they need that like person to person collaboration. So you have to be able to facilitate that kind of environment. Another thing is, is that um, you have to have a, a, a culture where, you know, you can let people, you know, come up with ideas and potentially like fail in those ideas too. So you have to, you know, promote this sort of safe environment for ideas and innovation. And, you know, not all, not all of them are going to be a great idea. <laughs> you know it happens yeah and it's also like how you can also like hire your team right so when I'm hiring I always ask you know like who who do you follow for inspiration like you know who are your influencers and if they don't really have an answer for that it, it's a bit of a red flag for me because it's telling me that they're not passionate and excited about their industry and people who are, are, you know, more likely to go out, seek out the thought leaders, you know, listen to what they have to say. And ultimately that helps also to get your creativity going. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. I've never asked that question in, in, in interviews, but I feel like now maybe I should. I've been <laughs> that once in a while, but not something that I really thought about asking. I know I do it, but that's mm -hmm. actually really good. Yeah, I'm doing that's what you should do. <laughs> yeah, I know when I surround myself with thought leaders, like going to like these conferences or, you know, and I seek out people I follow them on social media and I read their books and their posts, um, you know, I come out of those and like my brain is exploding with ideas and, you know, you get kind of 
you know, reinvigorated and like, okay, let's go. Yeah. yeah. So who, who is one of your favorite people that you follow that, you know, um, inspires you? Um, there, <laughs> there goes, I just now I'm being interviewed that question. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are different people like in, uh, in different areas. Like, um, you know, there's like, uh, you know, uh, people like in growth hackers, like Sean Ellis, um, I found a new person that I, I, I really like, uh, his name is Vivek Werdek. He's, uh, yeah, yeah he's, oh, uh, he, yeah, so he, he's, uh, he, he's lives in India right now, but he's, you know, got like five selling best authors and he's all about talking about, you know, the acceleration of technology, you know, and how businesses can leverage that, you know, he's working on this cure for cancer using data science approach. Like, so, yeah, so I go out and I. I find these people, yeah, tune into them. Awesome, that's good. Um, How do you ensure you don't lose focus on brand identity and vision, especially when you deal with multiple products? Yeah, that that one's not too hard, like, because, you know, in a company, like, the the brand and the vision, you know, are in paper, like, they should be. So if if you're a startup and you haven't done that, that's a really important thing to do is to put that down on paper. And to distribute it and make sure that everybody in the company has access to it and has read it and understands it because everybody sort of has to understand the vision, you know, because the activities that the company does ultimately are, you know, inching towards that vision. Right. So, so as long as that's in paper, so then that's fairly easy, right? And then your, your goals, like, so you have a vision, right? And then you have certain goals, you know, that you, you plan to meet, say yearly or whatever. And, and those goals, you know, will align to the vision and they're made up of sub goals, <laughs> you know, that are going to reach to those ones. So when you're creating like a strategy and a plan, right, you're looking at the big picture of things. Do um, these uh, brand identities and visions ever change throughout the life cycle of the product of the product? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that will cause those uh, that to change? Um, well, it's changes in the industry, you know, changes in technology, you know, it's, uh, you know, you might have a vision and going to a certain path, um, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a disruption, you know, and you need to pivot your own business. So that can definitely change. And, um, you know, it's okay to, you know, redefine it as you go, like you may start out with one vision, but then, you know, there's business opportunities in other areas. And maybe it's a newly evolving area space mm-hmm. that, you know, that nobody's in yet, you know, and you want to, you know, steer it into there. So 100%. Okay. Yeah. How do you prioritize features and elements in the product roadmap? <laughs> yeah, the product roadmap. <laughs> I yeah. love product roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously like the, the, the first thing, you know, you're going to look at is business value, right? So, you know, what's my ROI on this feature, you know, how much is it going to cost to make and how much is it going to be seen and used by users? Right. And you can, you can establish a dollar um, ROI for that, you know, and there's going to be, um, there's going to be features that, you know, may not necessarily have a positive ROI, but they're necessarily, they are necessary function of something else. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's the one thing. Um, and then there's this concept of like the, the North Star metric, <laughs> which I'll just yeah. like touch on very briefly because it ties <laughs> into this question, right? So in a SaaS product, right, a North Star metric is that 
one metric that you know impacts the customer value, which impacts customer engagement and longevity, right? Mm -hmm. So, and this usually, this is usually like a moment of like customer value. So say like for um, a company like Instacart, right? So their uh, star metric is um, the total monthly items received on time. Okay. Right. And they know if that metric is good, their forecast is good. Right. And then, of course, there's all these sub um, work items that go into making that metric good. So mm-hmm. like they have to make sure that there's lots of customers placing orders in order for there to be lots of monthly items received on time, for example. Right. Yeah. So when you're when you're planning the roadmap. Right. So you're keeping in mind like the business value, the ROI. But also, ultimately, you know, um, you know, does it bring value to the the North Star metric, which you know is going to be better for you? So it's you know, I'm 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 sort of understanding that it's you know, all ba- most of it is based on what are you going to generate revenue from? Yeah, yeah, it's that kind of one moment in the customer journey where they see like real value in your product, and it creates that stickiness. Yeah, okay? and how. Then- how do you know that ahead of time? Like, how how are you going through your roadmap and saying, okay, you know what? Like, I have ten items here and yeah. <laughs> the item to build. How, you know, do you go into it crossing your fingers and hoping it's going to work? Is or is there like a, an actual way to, to prove that that's going to be the best value? Um, you know, to build first in that roadmap. Yeah, yeah. Like clients asking for these things and yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like if your clients, if you have a lot of clients asking for a certain feature, you know, that it's important to them. Right. And it's going to give a, a higher priority on the roadmap right. for sure. Um, so not all, not all products know what that North Star metric is. Um, it sort of depends on how how far along they are in their in their journey. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to have like a lot of like in-app data to kind of pinpoint where that where that happens. Um, so, but once you, you know, you can figure that out and maybe in the early stages, you kind of have to guess, you know, when that's okay. Um, you know, it can change, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's usually done through like in-app technology. That's like gathering metrics on, you know, user churn, you know, how are they using the system? At what point do they get a friction and churn? Um, so you, you kind of, you'll kind of gather that Intel that way. And then you just sort of work backwards from there. What happens if you build a feature that you launch and you realize, oh crap, this is not what we should have built. There isn't a huge like attraction to it. What do you do then? You have a lessons learned. (laughs) (laughs) Lessons learned and go like, okay, what did we do wrong? Right. Yeah, yeah. What did we do wrong? Okay, we didn't we didn't do the customer development properly. We didn't talk to our customers. We made an assumption, right, that they were gonna love this feature. Um, you know you know, it's even in that situation, what you can do is you can still put it out there, you know, and some customers will use it and they're going to give you feedback on it, you know, like, you know, what they like about it and what they, what they didn't so that you can, you know, iterate it and add in yeah. those better features on it. Yeah, for sure. It's a lessons learned. How do you stay <laughs> ahead of your competitors with features? Oh, that's a good, good question. Good I know it wasn't. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if you understand your customers' needs, 
then, you know, you should be able to know the, the features that they need. But it's also a matter of like doing the research and development to see like what's coming down the pipeline too right. that are going to impact. So, you know, so that, you know, you can be one of the, the earlier products that are going to offer this feature that they're going to need. Do you ever like, I'm going to be crazy now. Do you ever have a thought where it's like, okay, you know what? Like our product is very similar to other company products. Um, I'm not going to like go through what sales is saying. I want to build something completely out. That's like out there that no one else is doing. That's, I don't know if it's going to, to, to do well. Obviously you have to do your research, but is that something that, that goes through the, the planning process sort of like, um, you know, I'm going to build something that's completely like out of the norm. That's really out there that no one else is doing. And, you know, I'm going to take it to market and it's just going to be like a game changer. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you apply game changer feature? Um, <laughs> again, it just goes back to that customer development because it doesn't matter if you have this crazy idea that's like really advanced. Um, if nobody's going to buy your product, then don't build it like, or you have to wait until the market is ready for it. Um, the, it's, it's the best thing that you can do It's the customer development. So those are the activities where, you know, it could be um, surveys. It could be going to conferences where your customers are a lot of networking, chatting with people, you know, using your network uh, to get the validation for your idea. But yeah, you know, maybe your idea is just too ahead of the curve. Like it's not quite ready. You just, you know, put on back burner, maybe it's safer. But aren't, aren't like the best ideas? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I missed that. Aren't those like the best ideas when they're like really out there? I know, I know, I know. But like, you know, innovative products, right? You know, and the ones that are successful, you know, unless you just have a lot of money <laughs> and you can afford the losses. Yeah. Um, because like, I don't know if you think about like, you know, like I've used example of Tesla, like cars. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a company that has approached building a car from a software set of mine. So it starts with the software and the car is built around it. And that is totally different from the car manufacturing industry, right? Yeah. They build the car and the software, it goes into the car, not the other way around. Yeah. Right. And so it's an innovative product, you know, pretty cool. You know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's served a purpose in pushing um, the interest in electric vehicles forward quite a bit, but the company is not profitable, right? right? They're right. not, a problem, but you know, richest man in the world, <laughs> you know, owns, owns it. So, you know, it's interesting to see what they're going to do to pivot, um, you know, to, to, to eventually become a profitable company, but right now they're not. How do you deal with, well, how did you deal with things like COVID or disruption in the industries that you're in, in building those products? Uh, COVID and disruption in the industry. So, um, like if I use the example of our product menu Sano, right, which serves the, you know, restaurants. Um, so in, in that case, COVID was not kind to the restaurant industry. Um, you know, restaurants are already, you know, operate on very thin margins, right? So mm -hmm. we saw, you know, a lot of restaurants close over COVID and, and we did, you know, lose some customers definitely from our system. You know, it wasn't considered a vital piece for their, for their business. 
Um, but uh, fortunately, <laughs> we were able to pivot um, and attract a lot more of the food manufacturing uh, customers because, I mean, we didn't know COVID was going to happen, but we were lucky in the fact that we planned the product to appeal to that, uh, that segment mm-hmm. in 2019. So we launched, you know, the, uh, a much, you know, robust nutrition label um, generation uh, that, that appealed to food manufacturers. So, you know, even though COVID, you know, it, it really affected a, a segment, um, we gained traction in another. And now we're seeing, you know, the restaurants are starting to bounce back and they're coming back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. is that sort of like, does that thought process go into the product roadmap where, you know, obviously you're not thinking about pandemics and uh, now no. we are, but, you know, yeah. are you thinking ahead of like, you know, this is what we have now, but we might need to pivot to a completely new industry or so forth. Yeah. Is that, does that go into the thought process when building out these features and planning the products? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. So, yeah, the applications of your product in different markets, um, you're always sort of continuing continuously like researching like those markets and learning about it. So, you know, maybe there's an application for your software there. And then what does it need in order to meet the demands of that customer? That's always definitely like, um, you know, in the back of our minds, you know, we're planning, we're thinking ahead. And like Mm -hmm. I also said, like new legislations that could possibly come into place um, where we need to pivot the product in order to meet the customer needs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, What's your advice on structuring product organization and product teams? Um, I know, and you know, I, I did learn this from you, hire people that are smarter than you, (laughs) you know, that's definitely, that is like my number one thing. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. You know, great advice. (laughs) I'm glad you're following it. I'm, I'm following it. Yeah. So that, that's definitely, so yeah. Anybody now who I've hired at Converge is like, Oh, I'm <laughs> I'm smart and I'm awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's definitely you know an important an important thing. And like I mentioned to you know hiring people who are you know passionate and really into their industry. You know they're the people that are you know going out and you know finding these uh, thought leaders and influencers. You know people who are you know also interested in continuous learning. Like I like to you know try to hire people that want to grow their, their own knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. So Converge has this really great opportunity where we will, you know, provide tuition reimbursement on courses that are irrelevant to their role. So, you know, we want to see people like taking advantage of that and growing. So in terms of like hiring the team, the team members, that's really important. Um, and then in terms of like the team structure, um, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of a bootstrapping, you know, kind of company. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, we need to, uh, structure and organize the team in a very lean way. Um, uh, and, you know, finding like the right skill sets, you know, and to, to do those jobs, um, yeah. that we need to, yeah, get done. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I, time went by fast. Uh, <laughs> time. Uh, this was a great chat. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and talking to us about uh, product management versus project management and everything mm-hmm. that it entails. Anyone wants to get in touch with Christine, I'm sure we're going to 
share all of her information, her LinkedIn, and uh, we'll set up a couple more of these so we can go further in depth into, you know, some of these strategies and how um, other startups can sort of start thinking about things ahead of time before they, you know, obviously they have to fail at some point in order to learn. You said let's learn, but, you know, uh, minimize the amount of risk that they're going to have to come up encounter in the future so we'll have lots more chats thank you for 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 coming on and sharing your knowledge and uh, yeah thanks all right thanks sonia Alrighty. bye-bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of between two servers you can also find us on instagram youtube facebook and linkedin The links are in the description of the podcast. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to Between Two Servers, and we'll catch you next time.